Welcome to Love Thy Lawyer, where we talk to practicing attorneys about their lives in and out of the practice of law. I'm Lewis Goodman, the host of the show, and yes, I'm a lawyer. Nobody's perfect. He served as a public defender in Fresno County, representing the indigent in every sort of criminal accusation from misdemeanor drug possessions to felony sexual assault and attempted murder. He has tried numerous cases to successful jury verdicts. He speaks fluent Spanish and also handles immigration cases. Sergio Benavides, welcome to Love Thy Lawyer. Thank you. Glad to be here. Well, I'm really pleased that you are joining us today. Where's your office now, Sergio? So I have an office in Hayward, right in the middle of the Southland Mall. And where are you from originally? Well, I was born in Orange County, not too far from Disneyland, but I was raised in the East Bay, San, San Jose, Hayward, uh, San Leandro. Where'd you go to high school? San Leandro High School. How was that for you? It was a really difficult time for me. In what way? Well, I am a out gay American, and in the mid-80s, it was illegal for me to sleep with whoever wanted to or date whoever I wanted to, so it was a very difficult time for me. And were you out in high school? Oh, no. God, no. That didn't come till many years later when I felt a lot more safe to come out. When you got out of San Leandro High School, where did you go to college? Well, I started by going to Chabot College because I knew at that age that I didn't know what I wanted to do with my career. And I thought, well, I can start exploring my interests at a, a place where I wouldn't go into heavy debt. So I explored for three years at Chabot College. What was that experience like? Any better than high school? Oh, it was a world better. I found uh, people that had many things in common with me. I, f I found uh, political activism. I, I joined the local newspaper and started getting into journalism. It was a wonderful time. So after Chabot, where did you go? After Chabot, I started leaning towards, well, I went to San Francisco State and I majored in English literature. Is that where you got your degree from? Yes. I still didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew that I loved reading and I was good at it and talking about books. I just had no idea that it wasn't going to be a very marketable degree. I found out the hard way. Yeah, I think a lot of us who ended up in law school found out the hard way that our social sciences degrees weren't as valuable, perhaps, as we had hoped they'd be. Yeah, so I got my English degree and I didn't know what to do with it. And someone mentioned, oh, you can teach with that. So I started substitute teaching for a few years after uh, college and found that I enjoyed it and I enjoyed being around kids. And so that led to me going to Seattle, actually, and I studied uh, for a teacher certification program and I got a master's in education. That was in Seattle. Uh, Antioch University, Seattle. Uh-huh. Okay. So in the late 90s, I got my degree and uh, the country was in the middle of a recession I ended up moving back to the Bay Area and got my first teaching job doing uh, bilingual elementary school teaching. Now, where did you learn to speak Spanish? From my parents. They're both uh, native Costa Ricans. They met in high school and uh, they started a family in California. And me and my brothers, I have two brothers. We were born and raised here. But luckily, they only spoke Spanish to us at home. So we were able to learn two languages fully at the same time. Wow, that's great. That's that's that's. I mean, that's just a... In, in my view, it's just a phenomenal skill because it's one that I certainly don't have. So how long did, did, you, did you teach for? Well, I taught full-time as an elementary school teacher for approximately five years. 
I taught second grade, first grade, third grade in bilingual programs. Um, and at the end of that career, I ended up having sort of a power struggle with one of the principals at one of my schools, and that led me to get out of teaching and into law. So you were out of school for, what, five years before you started thinking about going to law school? Yeah, I taught for five years, and then I said, I need to get out of this profession. I can't have someone lording over me like this. So I, I landed on, on the idea of law school. What did your friends and family say when you said, hey, I want to go to law school now? Well, I was 32, and everyone thought I was an old goat for going back to school again. And I had relatives telling me, you're crazy. Why are you going back to school? You're too old. And I thought, well, I don't care what you think. This is what I want to do. And uh, that was that. You know, it's it's been my experience. I, I took a year off between college and law school, but it, it, it was my experience in law school that the most successful law students were those who had had several years of experience in the work world before going to law school. I, I, I think those people were so much more focused and clear about why they wanted to be there. I mean, did you do you feel that way for yourself? Oh, yeah. I was ex- extremely determined to succeed in law school. I said, there's no going backwards. There's only going forward. This is how I saw it. And, I and didn't, where did you go to law school? I went to University of San Francisco School of Law. How did you happen to decide to go there? Or was that... Um... I applied to five schools in the uh, Bay Area. I didn't want to leave the Bay Area. And uh, it was one of two that accepted me. And I don't know, I just had heard good things about USF. And, you know, I liked the idea of the Jesuit tradition being a really strong intellectual and liberal, you know. Well, let me ask you this. How was how was the law school experience? The law school experience was the most challenging thing I've ever gone through in my life. But after the first semester, I really got my bearings and I figured it out and I started doing really, really well. And then I loved it after that. What did you find so difficult and challenging at first? Well, the most difficult and challenging thing was trying to figure out how to tackle this monster called law school and how to think and study and write and talk about the law like a lawyer. I'm the first lawyer in my family. And so I didn't have anyone to turn to, to give me some tips or guidance or anything. So I had to kind of figure it out on my own. That was really hard. Yeah, I, I I understand that. And my my dad was a lawyer, and I can't say that really helped me very much in terms of, you know, kind of looking at the whole thing to be to begin with. And and it, it is kind of intimidating and difficult to figure out at first. Um, know, I'll be the first to admit, you know, I skated through college. I skated through high school. I skated relatively through graduate school. I mean, I never really applied myself until I got to law school. How did that feel? It was a it was a shock. It was a slap to the face. I thought I could just act like I'd always done and just do a half-assed job and do well, and that, that doesn't happen. You have to actually really work hard. Is there somebody at, when you were in law school who you met who kind of said, okay, Sergio, this is what you got to do. This is how you work this thing. Well, I did, fortunately, I, I did enter law school into this special program that was geared towards trying to help, you know, not the typical law student, either socially or economically diverse students or people that didn't always have the best grades. And I was in that program that was supposed to guide us and help us. But that first semester, I largely ignored a lot of that advice and I had to just learn the hard way and take my lumps. So did you ever start listening to what they said? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I got it eventually. I realized, you know, you can't succeed in law school and 
go out drinking every single week with all your buddies for bar night and you can't go out dancing every night and you can't waste hours on the internet reading gossip and news just can't be done well that's good advice (laughs) put myself into a different mindset and told myself this is something i'm serious about this isn't a joke i'm not going to fail that's not an option and once i kind of redirected my thinking it was all a breeze after that i just worked hard and you know geared down buckled down after you got out of law school what was your first legal job well i guess i've always been kind of hard-headed and i said well i don't want to work for anyone else i want to work for me so i opened a law practice right out of law school where downtown san francisco real close that go it didn't really go i didn't have mentoring i didn't have experience i just had read some books and i had gone to some workshops and i'd taken some classes and i had a kind of like an idea of what it would work like but the reality you know was was tough i didn't have that many clients and i didn't know marketing so then i said okay this isn't working i shut that down and i had to go back and reinitiate my substitute teaching license and do that to pay off student loans while i tried to figure out what my next step was and luckily i went and did some informational interviews with some more established attorneys And one very kind gentleman gave me some of his time and said, look, what you need to do is go get a government job. Let the government invest in teaching you how to be a lawyer, how to argue and write motions, how to do trials. They will invest the resources in you. You get your experience, then you quit, then you open your law practice. So I took that advice and I ran with it. What government did you take advantage of? So the Fresno County government. How did you get that job? I applied to every government job I could think of after that interview with that gentleman. And Fresno was the first major city that made an offer. And so I said, okay, I can do that. And where did you, what, what did you do in Fresno? So they really liked the fact that I was bilingual because there's a big need for that in the Central Valley. So I went there and immediately they threw me into a uh, misdemeanor courtroom. And this and was where the public defender's office? Public defender's office. And uh, it was like, I don't know, like, like being thrown into the ocean and being told to swim. Like they they expect you to just figure it out and not be afraid and get rid of the butterflies and just speak confidently in front of the judge. And But there was a lot of support and a lot of training, and I was really appreciative of that. What kinds of cases did you handle as a public defender? Well, every single misdemeanor under the sun. You know, Fresno has a very uh, high population of, of indigent people, people that are just really desperately poor. And so we saw a lot of shoplifting, soliciting prostitutes, hundreds of DUIs, hundreds of domestic violence cases. Uh, that was the bulk of it. And then, you know, driving on the suspended license cases, which I hated, but there were so many of them. Yeah. So how long did you spend at the public defender's office? I was there for a total of six years. By the time I left, I was desperate to get out. Why? Because the Great Recession hit in late 2008, and the whole office was transformed by successive budget cuts and really excessive, I would say, inhuman caseloads. It became really? it became just an awful place to work. I so was, what did you do? I was, well, the first thing I did is I talked to some of my mentors, and they said, get yourself a, a legal specialization, which I did as a criminal specialist. And that forced the county to give me, I think it was a 3 or 5% pay increase because they were refusing to pay anybody any more money. And actually, I had um, a promotion taken away from me because of budget cuts. 
So that was the first thing I did is I got a specialization. And once I got that, I, well, even before I got it, I made a, a promise to myself that I was going to get out of Fresno and move back to the Bay Area and start my career again where I wanted to be. So in 2013, I just started, you know, putting in all that effort to find a job or do something out here in the Bay Area. And so, yeah, so you, so you left the public defender in Fresno and you came back to the Bay Area. I came back to the Bay Area. Did what? Well, I got a job as another public defender in Solano County, and I ended up working for them for a total of three months before they gave me the boot. And when that happened, you know, that was a shock, but I took it as a sign from the heavens. Okay, Sergio, this is your time. You need to go and open your own office again. So I did. And, and is that when you opened the office in Hayward? Yeah, that's when I opened the office in Hayward. And that's when I said, you know, I've been doing... So many years of criminal defense work, and I enjoy it, but every single time I represented some farm worker on a DUI, they would always ask in Spanish, hey, what's going on with my paperwork? Meaning, what's going on? How is this going to affect my immigration situation? And I would always, uh, tell, I'd always tell the client, I don't know, go see an immigration lawyer. So when I opened the office, I said, okay, I have to do immigration. The clients are always asking for it. And that was a really smart move on my, on my behalf because as much as I love criminal defense work, it's now an 80 or 90% immigration office at this point. Really? Hmm. It's taken over the practice. You know, just out of curiosity, I'm a Hayward lawyer. I've been here for a long time. What prompted you to decide to open an office in Hayward as opposed to anywhere else? Well, I lived part of my childhood in Hayward, so I knew it. And I knew that there was a, a big Latino community here. So that was something that I kind of felt would be a good spot to open. And I was, you know, I like the population and the culture in Hayward, but also I have to admit my parents live a few blocks away from the office and I wanted to be close to them to check in on them. They're, you know, really old. So how long have you been uh, practicing out of your office in Hayward now? So I am at the six and a half year mark. So closing in on almost seven years. What do you really like about practicing law? Uh, that's a tough question. What I love about, I think, practicing law is ultimately it's helping people. I mean, yeah. most, of, most of my professional career, I've been a public servant, whether it was a public school teacher or a public defender. And this is new to me being a private defender. But ultimately, I just love helping people. You know, people come to you with their most desperate situations and they want help. And, and you're able to do it with the power of, of the law. Well, let's say a young person was coming out of college and they were thinking about a career, would you recommend the law to them? I do, but I always try to give people the advice and the information that I never got when I was, you know, a budding young law student. So I try What's to give that? them a full picture. Well, you know, I warn them that it's not like the movies. It's not as easy or glamorous as you might think. It's hard work. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> And I also warn people to, as much as I can, to try to stay away from student debt because I was saddled with it for decades. Yeah, the debt's brutal these days, isn't it? Yeah, I didn't get out of that debt until a couple of years ago. Well, you know, Eric Swalwell, our, our congressman who I interviewed for this program uh, a few weeks ago, I mean, it, that, that's what prompted him to run for Congress was the fact of his, his student debt. I mean, it's, it, it really is a, a terrible thing. Yeah. And the cost of, you know, higher education, it just keeps skyrocketing way past, you know, the increases in inflation. So there's that. 
How is practicing law either met or differed from your expectation of practicing law when you went into it? Well, when I went into it, I had no idea really what it would actually look like. Because I think maybe the best advice I'd give young people is before you go into law school and make that commitment, go work as an intern, go work, volunteer if you need to, but see what the day-to-day work is like before you commit your whole future to it. You know, I had no idea how much of my life would be devoted to marketing, for example. Yeah. Well, what about that? Let's move into that, the kind of the business of practicing law. How's that gone for you? And how's that either met or differed from some expectations? Well, it's always the most challenging part of the practice is to get people to continue to call or come through the door. It's always a challenge. It's really hard. It's probably... In some ways, my least favorite part of the job, but it's required, and I get it, and I accept it. What sort of uh, marketing tools have you used? Oh, I've tried everything under the sun, except for maybe holding out a placard on the street and spinning it like one of those guys in front of the tax. I've tried <laughs> well, it all. Next. Uh, but I tried. What's, what's works? What seems to work for you? What works the best is doing good work for someone and having that person refer their friends and family later on. That's the best. Yeah, there's nothing like referred business. That's uh, certainly uh, certainly a good thing. I've I've continued to grow and build based on word of mouth. I have a good client base that trusts, likes, and respects me, and they refer me their friends and their family. I've got a couple of cases where I, where I'd represent two or three generations of the same family. So that's you know that's a real testament to trust. Yeah, it is. I also you know took a look at your website and it's 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 really good it's impressive did you did you do that yourself or did you have some help with yeah that? i did I, i've wanted to update it and have a professional look at it but i haven't done it yet i did do it myself oh it really it looks good thanks <laughs> uh I've, I've also done yellow pages which is laughable i've done online through google ads i've done yelp i've done a lot of different things and I've done marketing groups where you join these professional networking groups like BNI or Provisors, where you go once a week or once a month and you have breakfast with others and talk about your business and, tra- and trade leads. All of it works to a certain extent, but really it always comes down to just doing a good job for others and then they'll pass the word along. What, if anything, would you change about the way the legal system works? I don't know. I think I'm always disappointed by judges, I have to say. In what way? I think that, I don't know, I don't think that they answer enough to the community. I think that there there should be more, I I think there should be some other kind of mechanism for accountabilities for judges' misbehavior or, or, or their misuse of law. I think there's too much power in their hands sometimes, really. And I don't know what the solution is, but I'm just thinking out loud. Do you think the system is fair? I don't think it's fair. I mean, it's not fair that... You know, someone like O.J. Simpson can throw millions of dollars at his defense and get out of a murder, you know, conviction, whereas someone else doesn't have the money and can't afford, you know, just as good a representation. I mean, that isn't fair. And you do see oftentimes people of color being treated disproportionately different than, you know, Caucasians in the law. And so I do see that as a big problem is the the racial problems in our system of, of law. That's why the whole country has been taken over by protests and the Black Lives Matter movement's kind of exploded. I mean, that's just 
a symptom of something that's been going on for decades. It seems to me, and I just sort of wonder what your thought or comment about this is, that in the last, let's say, 10, 15 years, we've had a significant number of judges appointed and who have who have run and we now have a significant number of judges that make the bench look a lot more diverse in terms of in terms of uh, gender identity in terms of uh, racial identity and that kind of thing but sometimes it seems to me that despite the diversity of background that oftentimes i don't see a lot of diversity of thinking Yeah, and I would agree with that. And I think the diversity of the bench shouldn't just be the way people look or their gender or their identity, but it should also be a diversity of training and experience. Like we don't have enough judges out there who don't come from Ivy League schools or who don't come from big firms. It would be great to have more judges who've actually, I don't know, worked as maids or worked as car washers or or something that, you know, where they can relate to the same people that they're going to be sentencing day in and day out. So the diversity of experience, I think, would help too. When you're not practicing law, what sorts of things do you enjoy doing uh, and who do you enjoy doing it with? Well, I enjoy nature. I enjoy hiking. And I go with some of my friends and occasionally I'll go with my spouse, my husband. I love traveling. Of course, that kind of is shut down right now because of the pandemic. But uh, travel is wonderful. I love being around other cultures and other languages and experiencing different kinds of foods and everything else that's different from what we uh, grow up with here. Where, where do you like to travel? Where specifically have you gone that you think has been a really good place to go? Well, I never get tired of going to Mexico, even though, you know... All my clients tell me that it's a horrible, crime-ridden and corrupt place, but I think it's just such a culturally rich landscape. I never get tired of it. I've been to various states of Mexico, and every little region is so different. It's like a different country. If you couldn't be a lawyer, what do you think that you might choose to do? I know you've done some teaching. Well, if I had to choose, I would probably rather be a writer. But I don't have the. I don't think I have the discipline to be a good writer. But you mean being able to just get up every morning and sit down at that desk and and do the writing. Yeah, I know it takes discipline, and I just I think I'm too undisciplined to do it. I have good ideas. I used to write for fun a lot more when I was younger, but I don't know. I used to and really enjoy writing poetry, especially. If you came into some real money, like billions of dollars, what what if anything would you diff- do differently in your life? I've thought about that. And I think one of the things I would love to do, I run into this sometimes in my work because of the client base. You know, these are immigrants who come from sometimes poor villages and they're too poor even to attend school. I think one of the things I would do is I'd love to set up schools and uh, teach people to read that don't know how to read. Sergio, one of the uh, real areas of expertise that you have is immigration law. And that's really a really big thing going on in the country right now. I'm wondering if you could share some of your thoughts about what's happening in the immigration world. Well, it's definitely become more difficult, more challenging since, you know, the current resident of the White House took over. Uh, It's in the news all the time. And it feels almost like, you know, you're trying to walk across land that's made of quicksand. So it's really hard 
to stay on top of all the changes and what the law is and what are the latest proclamations from the White House. But I feel deep down in my heart that there's always going to be a, a need for immigration lawyers and there will always be a need for people to find a way to legalize their status and to unite their families and to seek a safe harbor in this country, no, no matter what they're fleeing from in other parts of the world. I think that's always going to be a part of who, what our country is, is, is and what it's about. And I hope people don't give up on the United States being uh, a place where you can pursue happiness in all its shapes and forms. Sergio Benavides, thank you so much for joining us today on Love Thy Lawyer. I appreciate all of your comments and your insights, and I've learned something about the immigration world. So thank you so much for being here, and it's really been a pleasure to talk to you. It's my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. That's it for today's episode of Love Thy Lawyer. Thanks to my guests who share their experience and wisdom. Thanks to Joel Katz, Brian Matheson, and Tracy Harvey. Please subscribe to Love Thy Lawyer wherever you listen, and check out the website for episodes, transcripts, and photos. I'm Lewis Goodman. I didn't see the light, and I didn't see any he heavenly gates anywhere. <laughs>